Hoschgeldenis. Bienvenue. Willkommen. Welcome to the Join Core podcast. How are you? Are you all very well? Hope that you're good. We're going to record a shorter, tighter podcast today. It's been a week and a half. We've been out of drawing. Didn't keep up our two podcast a week ambition. But that's okay. We are experimenting with new ideas of time during this coronavirus sabbatical. And, you know, what right does the Joint Core podcast have to uh, determine the length of a week or half a week? No right at all. So, um, it happens when it happens, it seems. Um, I have just as little control over it as you slightly more control over it than you to be fair but um yeah we we weren't sure what to make the podcast about in in truth and then um what's been coming up what's been spinning around my mind that i feel we can talk about on the podcast is um has only just has only just come into focus and it is especially an interesting topic because of this coronavirus sabbatical it's the idea of hyper-reality we're going straight into it hyper-reality hyper-reality is the idea of um, a media a, a primarily media constructed reality that we've been living in for um, you know the last 40 or 50 years as uh, media has become more ubiquitous, televisions are in every home, it's much easier to access news content. And right now it's obviously maybe your main tie to the wider world is um, consuming news content and social media online. We talked a bit before on this podcast about hyper-consumerism, how like all of our culture, all of our media is, is so thick and fast that we often don't have much time to process it or reflect on it. And we kind of made a call to slow down and try and do that a little bit more in order to you know, bring a more constructive critic to the things that we are consuming. And we talked um, a couple of podcasts ago about <clears throat> the importance of what media we are consuming during the coronavirus sabbatical because the truth is that a lot of people are reading stuff that creates a lot of fear inside them and I'm not seeking to undermine the seriousness of this virus it's neither here nor there but some media is making people very afraid and on the other hand it might be easy to avoid media that is sharing the situation of refugees and migrants at this time because the hostile environment created by racist immigration policies is putting some people in even more awful situations on borders, in camps people who are in the process of applying for asylum or who have already applied for asylum but don't have support from their gov the governments and the countries they're now living in so it, 
you know, we, tr we try to be aware of the media as much as possible because the truth is we live in this hyper-reality where the reality that we see, the, the way we see the world is a lot constructed by what we watch and read. This goes for all kinds of culture and we will kind of come back to um, different kinds of culture in a minute. But hyper-reality, the notion of hyper-reality, in, in my experience, is most solidified by... Um, there's a guy called Jean Baudrillard, who are probably not quite pronouncing that properly, but we're going to go with that. In 91, he wrote a series of essays that collectively are called The Gulf War Did Not Happen. And while the title suggests that the author thinks the Gulf War didn't it, um, is, is, is a, a, a lie. What the point of the essay, the essays, in fact there are, th there are three essays collected under this title, um, which is uh, the Gulf War did not take place, that's the name. <clears throat> the point of these essays is to say that um, what happened was um, military atrocities committed by Western military forces in the Middle East that we were led to believe by news media was a war with two sides fighting against each other when it was in fact nothing of the sort. The purpose of this kind of talk, of thinking about hyper-reality and talking about hyper-reality is to basically question the world that we see when we consume it. Um, culture, especially news media, especially social media. You know, fake news has been a really um, significant topic in the last years because we rely so heavily on these things. They are so much part of our day-to-day -day lives now that it seems naive not to remember. It seems naive to forget that every time media is created, it's fallible. It's uh, very difficult to ever have the entire scope of a story. The complexity of almost anything that happens anywhere means that it's impossible to have a completely objective truth that is presented in any, any media. And this idea of truth is key. So, so uh, hyper-reality and, and the, the Jean Baudrillard's essays are based on the idea of simulacra. So simulacra are things that either had no original or that no longer have an original. So it's a presentation that is not really connected to an, a, a, an actual event, which would be the original. And the simulacra are not things that conceal truth they are a truth in themselves that conceals the fact that there is no truth. The idea that we can't possibly comprehend the complexity of any given thing that happens is to say that there is no truth. Truth is, is a kind of how do you say the notion of truth is a sort of fake one, that we use truth to 
label things that we believe in. But that's just that's just us, you know. To say there is a fixed objective truth is is to not understand how events work. There are so many sides to everything that it's impossible to say there is something like truth. So the simulacra, they become the truth because that's all we have to go on. We watch the news coverage and we understand that that is true. But that news coverage is just concealing the fact that there is no truth. So we need to, like I said, be um, be able to criticize what we're seeing, see the biases, see the things that are left out of the picture, comprehend maybe why it's so hard to really know what's happening. Even if you think about people that you know piss you off, you know, it's, it's, it's very hard to really be objective about that. At the end of the day, you're not gonna really know what's going on in someone's mind. So it's probably a lot more complex than just they're a dickhead. And often we might we might find that we can tolerate people by being empathetic to the other stuff that's going on for them that we don't really, that is not part of our truth. Our truth is just like, I don't fucking like that person. On the one hand, like now, we could be getting out of this hyper-reality a little bit because being forced to be inside your home or something might make you more reliant on the immediate experience around you to understand your truth. But on the other hand, we are reliant on media so much, we are using it so much at this time, news media and social media, that we should maintain a critic of it. We should be saying, okay, like I'm not gonna go pour, pour myself into this hole of um, fear-mongering articles they might not they might be they might be there might be um, useful facts in them but there are so many that I'm not going to spend all my day reading about the dangers of this virus I'm gonna also give time to see that people in refugee camps are suffering because of existing problems which are compounded by the coronavirus crisis pandemic So where, where I want to go with this is just to say that something crucial, <clears throat> something I believe is crucial about this crisis, about this pandemic, is how many people from, in different ways are saying that, you know, we won't go back to normal. A lot of people, most people, almost everybody I talk to believes that this will change what we understand as normal, because it's such a drastic thing that's happening. It's going to have lasting effects at the very least and I think that in our construction of the truth that we would like to see come out of this we should be aware of a few things and, and these are the things that I think are coming up and are important and maybe we will go into them a bit more in other podcasts um, so the environment lots of people are Lots, lots of there's lots of information out there about how posit, how much a positive, how much of a positive effect the lack of air travel, the lack of car travel, is doing wonders for pollution. There's apparently an eagle that has been spotted in UK that hasn't been spotted here for 204 years. You can look online for images of 
like satellite images of um, smog and pollution and how much it's reduced and you know just seeing the amazing weather that has been in the UK which is not something people are very used to you can't help but think that the environment is kind of smiling back on us for being less destructive by being less running about chucking out our our pollution into the air so this is something to hold on to but not to just say oh, that was good to give the earth a bit of a break but to say we need to take seriously the damage that we do to the environment and we need to put things in place that are going to allow the earth to have such fresh breath as it does in this time the second thing is is our time and our work for those you know, for those people who are not able to work at the moment for maybe people who are getting um, support from the government to cover their wages it's going to be quite a drastic change of how you use your time and also maybe make you question how valuable your work is because there are certain key workers and there are certain jobs which are not that important right now maybe there are jobs that you, you maybe there's you maybe your job is something you really hate and now you're getting a break from it and if you're thinking about not going back to normal you know on a on a very wide scale i think we don't need to work as much as we do it's very valuable to have lots of time to ourselves and to slow down now for those people who are still working from home maybe those who are not in key key jobs no they're not key workers they're not carers they're not healthcare workers but they still have to work from home that's going to be different that's i think that's a particularly annoying situation right now to be in where lots of people are kind of having this freedom and this time and other people are still having to continue their role in capitalism so we need to maintain and hold this idea that how we spend our time is incredibly important and most of the time we are pushed to be productive and to go to work and to fulfill our role in capitalism and maybe we can question those things a little bit more and this is something I would probably like to talk about in another podcast going a bit further and talking about post-work anarchism we did talk before about idleness and like wasting time as something radical positive to do and maybe we'd like to go into that again on another podcast so the environment our, and our time and our work the third thing is a compassion compassion for other people a lot of you see a lot of people who are being a lot more friendly who are even just waving to each other in streets where that doesn't really happen but also people who are helping with pharmacy runs and delivering people's medicine or or people's food shopping who have find it more difficult to get out and do that or more people who are more vulnerable how to take care of them that compassion is something that we can really try and hold and continue going forward that's like an injection of socialism which I think is much needed because this this government is often we, like we often look to our governments as to be those who take responsibility but they often don't do a very good job 
and we can take a lot more responsibility of day-to-day -day things and from that position hold governments to account because we expect them to really take care of us at the end of the day to be working for our benefit and not for their own private interests so that's quite you know that, that, that has a big big scope really that compassion and even if you just are experiencing it in a small way right now because of this crisis I think that it has the potential to have a massive effect and the last thing that is uh, that I think we should hold on to in thinking how things won't go back to normal is our healthcare systems and our welfare services so healthcare systems I think the NHS in UK is going to be very well protected after this because so many people are expressing their gratitude to healthcare workers at this time that it would be a mistake politically for the government to continue their dismantling of this healthcare system and in other countries like in the US this is an important time to you know for those people in the US to look at their healthcare system and say look this is not okay this private healthcare system is causing all this struggle through this crisis and it's an existing problem Yanni and so after the crisis passes that's an important thing to hold on to and criticize and try and push to be better and the same goes for welfare services how many people are going to be in shitty situations where they need support they need social workers they need housing those things are, pro are a little bit less visible than healthcare because healthcare is people are very very publicly and loudly proclaiming their appreciation and gratitude towards healthcare workers but people who are in social services welfare services there is a big burden on them at the moment and there should be because people need a lot of support and what we have because of especially in the UK because of policies of austerity where lots of services have been cut we have a situation where there is not enough provision for people who need it so that's another thing to hold and to push to make sure that going forward you know, we do have what we need. So these four things like I think there's a temptation for us to think well we need to divert our attention to be a bit more local be concerned a bit more with local stuff we don't go out we don't travel so much we protect the environment we look after each other we spend more time at home and with our communities. We um, we try and maintain good healthcare and welfare systems where we live. But all of these things are going to be related in this world to more distant problems. And I want to bring it back again to uh, the hostile and racist immigration policies. I'm going to share a, a link to No Borders Lesvos to their blog, their website. That gives you a, a huge, amazing wealth of information about what's going on there, and that's just one place, you know. And they often do say that in their in their post, but they they will they reading that will give you an idea of the situation, and it's not specifically because of coronavirus, but you can you can read how that is affecting the situation. So in yeah in in thinking about those things it's important as we did in the first coronavirus sabbatical podcast to make sure we invite people who are distant from us into our headspace because to be concerned with 
us humans is to be concerned with those humans over there. I'm going to leave it there. How long is that? That's just 20 minutes. That's good. Um, I want to introduce um, the next Bad Trips, the next film for our Psychedelic Horror Film Club. So I'm going to put an event on Facebook again. This time we're going to watch Toad Road. Toad Road is a film, 2012 US indie film, about uh, a group of young adults who do a lot of drugs, they do a lot of drugs, they're having party time, and a girl called Sarah joins to the this group, and she experiences these drugs for the first time and gets very interested in them. And she also gets interested in a place called Toad Road, which is a sort of mythical woodland path, which supposedly leads to hell. And she tries to push her boyfriend uh, to go there together and explore this dark, twisted other reality so she's a bit of an analog she's a bit of a mirror for our for the character in our previous bad trips film eddie jessup who wanted to push push the boundaries of um uh states of consciousness to see what's out there and he kind of goes down a dark path trying to do that as does Sarah, but in a very different way. And crucially, Sarah is a woman. And we talked about how the idea of Eddie Jessup being a man is kind of central to what the film Altered States, our first film, was, was really saying. So we have a new film, Toad Road. If you need help trying to find it to watch it, then send us an email, drawingcore at riseup.net, or a message on Facebook or whatever. Take care of yourselves. Question your media, think about the environment, think about how you use your time, think about how you can be compassionate to yourselves and to other people, think about supporting and fighting for your healthcare services and welfare services. We won't go back to normal after this crisis, says everyone, so let's go back to something better than what we understand as normal. I'm going to play a nice song to have a bit of fun, essentially. Um, it's called Boom Boom Raccoon by Boom Boom Raccoon. I think you'll enjoy it. And that's it for this 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 podcast. Um, we'll be doing a Bad Trips podcast this time next week, Wednesday, and maybe we'll have another one in the meantime. We'll see what we'll see what happens. We'll see how it goes. Opium Sizi, Sevium Sizi. Thank you so much for joining this podcast, and we'll see you next time. Hadi bye bye. When you're alone and you need a friend, someone to help you forget your problems. Come along, baby, take my hand. I'll be your lover tonight. Spend the night together, together in my room.
Tonight, get up, get up, let's go. Oh, wow, this is all I wanna do. Oh, 